0: Great job. You made it. Did you think you would actually ever get here? Yeah, you did steps one through five of the How to Buy a Home 10-Step Starter Program. Halfway there. And truth be told, you need to know you did a lot of the heavy lifting already with steps one through five. So good job, congratulations. Now we're gonna get into steps six through 10. They focus on a lot of the insider tips as we move closer to the actual home buying process. With the whole program, the primary goal is to make sure that you avoid all those super tragic missteps. I hate when people have those pitfalls and then they end up being you know, a crazy hot mess on their social media, telling their gut-wrenching story, crying into their phones. So no, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna get into the insider details to make sure that you can slay the rest of this process. Oh God, sorry. I let my teenage kids write my intro today. All right, second half, step six through 10, start now. Let's go. What's happening, my how to buy a homies? How y'all doing out there? David Sedoni here, your real estate nerd and student of the game. And I say that because make no mistake, uh, you are heading into a game, a rigged game, when you're trying to be a first-time homebuyer. But you've got the secret weapon. Some dorky old dude, drink, sitting in his office that he converted into a YouTube studio, talking to some millennial guy wearing headphones. What's up, JT? Oh, now you're talking to me. Shut up, JT. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to reveal all the secrets of the real estate industry because the big guys are taking advantage of you little guys. Now, I know step five was really intense, but it was super necessary to set you up for success. Um, So let me dive right into the work for step six. Step six is goals. Now, I know some of you are thinking right now, goals, seriously, like what is going on? this clown tells me set goals. I know um, it's supposed to be insider industry tips. And so you're looking for more. Um, I understand. Uh, But hey, Debbie Downer, uh, if you want to check the rest of the catalog of the podcast, because you can get a doctorate uh, from looking at all the information that's out there. But this is important as step six in the 10 step process. I'm going to explain to you the importance of not one, but two major factors when it comes to goals okay let's call them goals 1 and goals 2 now i grew up playing soccer so every time i say that all i hear in my head is goal go 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 love that guy woo okay boy that guy he must have some good lungs i'm a little dizzy anyway moving on goal 1 is the goal of the purchase what is buying this first home mean to you today? What's it going to mean to you in five years? What's it mean to you today for what you're going to do in five years or 10 years and 30 years? Goal two, that's a simpler one. That's using goals as part of your planning process. Saving and planning to buy homes can be a grind. It can be super stressful. And yeah, many times I've seen the planning phase break up relationships. Uh, unfortunately, I am not even joking. This has happened uh at houses, uh, in kitchens, in garages. One time, it even happened, on the front lawn of a house, after we looked at the home, they were screaming, there was crying, and one of them ordered an Uber and just left. Are we talking marriage or girlfriend, boyfriend? Uh, They were at least engaged, if not married, but they didn't have kids. Um, But, you know, the thing is, I never get bummed out about that because at least they figured it out now and they're not gonna have to separate property later on in life. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna help you with some planning phases, goals. And when you determine these goals, you figure out what you guys are doing together, and then we avoid the public meltdowns. Um, And one of the other things we do is I'm gonna talk to you guys about goals two, uh, setting little rewards and celebrations for yourself. Because, um, you know, after all, planning for a home is super stressful and you're young. Likely, probably. Average age is 36. You're young to me because I'm old. Drink. Um, So we want you to make sure you can enjoy the journey. Um, But we'll get into goals two and the celebrations in a little bit. Let's start with goals one. The funny thing is that with goals one, the big picture of why are we doing this? It actually helps set up everything for goals two, the planning goals, in a really enormous way. So you really want to start with goals one. Being on the same page is important, but let's take that analogy one step further. I've learned uh, being the agent, the advocate, and the representative for other buyers that the the analogy of being on the same page uh, assumes that you have an instruction manual and you all want to make sure that you're on the same page. So you're all doing the same thing together. Uh, That's not what's happening when you're figuring out your goals for buying a home, you are writing the whole fricking manual. You're not looking for a page in the playbook. You are creating the entire, very personal to you, playbook and strategy based on what you really want. And then that's gonna change multiple times throughout it based on what you find out when you're talking to your lender and your unicorn for what you can afford. And then when we have collectively decided what your best dream scenario is, not just for today, but for tomorrow and 20 years from now, then you're gonna home shop with your little instruction book, not just one page that you're on, but the book that you created and wrote and built together. Now, goals one actually took me a few years to realize how important a step was. My buyers and I always discussed goals as part of the process, uh, and then we kind of got through them as we went along. Thus, the fact that early in my career, I had people, you know, getting divorced on the front lawn. And I realized after the first couple of years that I needed to define the importance and explain that even though it might be a little touchy-feely and a little weird sometimes, uh, but there there are short-term, long-term, little picture, big picture things that we need to talk about. Many of them are emotional, but a lot of them are financial uh i did this is like i started back in 2006 and then 2009 when the crash was in full swing that's when i realized that understanding what the home means to you because there were a lot of people out there trying to get deals at that time so that's when i added this goals one early in the process uh before you write up all your must haves on your lists, you know, you're writing about your bedrooms, but you know, we need three bedrooms, but we'll take a fourth bedroom, maybe, you know, but we don't necessarily need it. It would just be an office or a bonus room. Um, I had my buyers start with that and then continue on this list. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to make your list with me today. If you can't do it right now, that's fine. Save the episode, go back. We'll do it together another time hopefully I'll get the transcript up online. So if you just want to pull that up at howtobuyahome.com, you can find it there. But what we're going to do is we're going to write a list of things that I want you to think about. First, creating your own goal sheet for goals one. This is for the actual purchase. And then this is super important. If you're buying with a partner, you have to do them separately. You cannot talk to each other. You have to do them completely on your own. And then, before you show them to each other, I'd like you to set up an appointment with a therapist, get on the Zoom, and only reveal them in front of the neutral third-party therapist, and you have to promise that you're going to talk about it with your inside voices. Unless, you know, you're one of those mature relationships and you think you can handle it. Okay, these start simple, and then they get a little more mental, a little more emotional, a little more psychological, and then they even get into the esoteric. So let's go. Your first list, simple stuff. Beds, baths size of the home, yard, garage, etc. okay? We need to know this stuff. Remember, I'm not asking you this because I wanna tell you what you need to do. I'm asking you this as your real estate agent so that I can help show you the best things that are out there for you, as well as potentially some options that might fit into your big picture. But I have to ask all these questions before I understand what that big picture is. All right, so the first one's bed, bath, size, our uh, yard's important, garage is important. Uh, do you really want a balcony because you want to stand and sing like a Evita? Don't cry for me, Argentina. Um, or, <laughs> no, or next, um, all your must-haves. Write down all your must-haves. Do that a year, two years, three years before you buy a house. And by the way, if you write, a specific type of flooring or a specific paint color in here, turn off my podcast. Just, you're done, okay? You are not seeing the big picture. Uh, Or just take that sentence in and adjust your mentality a little bit. Those things are easily changeable, and I guarantee you, when you take your whole big picture together, they're not gonna be a high goal. Uh, And for the love of God, stop watching HGTV and saying shabby chic and shiplap Okay, next. Oh, and I forgot to say this. Um, when I say you, I mean you or you and your partner. I don't know how you're buying a home, so it's either way. Or maybe it's you, your partner, and a family, okay? The next one's location. Now, I know you're thinking, oh, location. Okay, good one, David. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. No, 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 think about it this way. Do you want your home to be in a community for you or for you and your partner or for you and your family? Or is this a solitary castle? for you or you and your partner. Is the structure what really matters more to you than the geography and the location? Very important for you to figure that out right away. This should also include discussions of remote working. Leads us to the next thing on your list, geography. Speaking of remote working, are you willing to commute and spend a couple hours a day in your car away from your family? Just, you know, because maybe that means that you get in a better home uh, 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 or a better community. My dad did that for the uh, most of my life. He ended up driving an hour to work because he loved the neighborhood that we were in. Uh, I think maybe it's because he wanted an extra two hours away from me because I can be kind of annoying sometimes. Okay, next one on the list. Have you on your own or with your family or with your partner, uh, have you ever discussed... 10-year plans, 20-year plans? Have you really communicated them in deep detail? I'm talking about, you know, promotions, potentially moving to be near family. If you have uh, elderly parents, um, you know, make sure you're not keeping that stuff to yourself or make sure you have indeed thought about this stuff. This is going to affect location, the time frame that you should or want to stay in the house. Uh, it could affect accepting or having to decline work promotions or changes in careers. Next on the list, if you want to have kids, this is long-term. This is where it gets a little uh, deep. Do you want to keep this home for them to come home to after they've moved away? Are you buying this home to be home for life? Or do you think when you're empty nesting, we're out of here. We're going to, you know, we're going to get one home in Paris and uh, one home in Switzerland. Um I told you we were going to go deep because what happens is if you ask a question like that to yourself or you have that conversation with your agent with a question like that, what happens is it opens up a whole bunch of other questions and a whole bunch of, well, I should say it actually opens up a whole bunch of other important conversations, very important conversations. And remember, when you're talking with your unicorn team there, a unicorn is your advocate there to help you shape these long-term plans. Because- They know that this home will be one of, if not the largest financial transaction of your entire portfolio. And that's the big difference between a unicorn and a a regular salesperson. A non-unicorn agent's just gonna try to sell you a home. They're gonna push that HGTV buzzwords and just try to make the structure the most important thing. It's so much bigger than that. Okay. Okay. Next on the list, extended family. Now I know I told you already at the beginning that you're definitely supposed to do these separately, especially if you're working with a partner. Uh, But this one, uh, if you're cheating, you absolutely have to do separately. You cannot do this with your partner, okay? And then when you're thinking about extended family, only reveal that uh, with a therapist. And here's a thought for you. This is something that's interesting, something that I've learned with a lot of my people. There are some compromises I've seen happen because of one thing, a dual-income family and daycare. Very interesting to think about that. I've seen people make choices that they wish they had changed, but then after I got this going... Maybe someday if you both work, it might actually be more cost effective for you to be close to some of the grandparents, even if one of you really doesn't like the grandparents. That's what you have to figure out. Is it going to be daycare costs or free daycare? Or maybe a sister, a brother, an aunt or an uncle, maybe they'll be cheaper than daycare. See, I told you this goals crap can go deep. Here's the next one. What do you want? Are you into style? or do you want space? Do you want the inside to be gorgeous and golden and arched and everything that you want or do you just want a big fatty yard or do you need a big giant garage for all your toys? While you're thinking about that, do you want a bitchin neighborhood and less house or do you want a bad Otis house in a shady part of town? What about new build versus resale? Now, with new new build versus resale, here's something that's very important. If you're on one side or the other and you're trying to argue with your partner or argue with yourself, do like they do in debate club. Understand the pros and cons of both a new build and a resale. Don't just say, I want a new build because it's new and it's awesome and that's all. So, okay, well, do you know everything about buying a resale? Let's talk about how that works. Make sure you know the pros and cons of both. Okay, next if you're a younger hipster person, I just dated myself by saying hipster. No one says hipster anymore, do they, JT? No? How would I know? I'm not one of them young hipsters anymore. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you're buying a place that, you know, has a good walk score, that's a thing. A walk score, it means it has the higher the walk score that means you're closer to restaurants and bars and stores and even public transportation for sure. So have you thought about how long are you going to be in this young hipster phase of your life? or do you see the suburbs in your future? Trust me, guys, it all slips away. What are you, like 27? 29, Well, you look good, kid. These important things could actually affect your home. My my wife bought a condo before we were married uh, that was really cool. It had a big sunken living room. uh, And after a few years of living there with children and climbing up what was four flights of stairs, we were like, oh, we don't need to be cool and young with stairs anymore. Um, So this is really important to understand. Um, You know, have you thought about how long this phase of your life is going to be. Are you buying this home for a phase under three years? If you have studied the market, you understand markets go up and down. You're going to realize that very rarely is it good to buy a home with your Overall goals, less than three years. Five to seven is safer and 10 years is golden. Unless, of course, you are thinking of turning your first home into an investment property, which leads us to the financial section of goals one. Yeah, you can do more with your first home than just buy it and sell it. Let's go into the finances and what goals you should be thinking about. All right, stop. What? So isn't this a good reason why people rent? I mean, what if you decide that you do want something different a few years down the line and you didn't know? Great. Now, I know I just said three years. And so people are 25, 26, 27, uh, like you are. I know, you're 29. Um, okay, and they're going, well, I can't buy now. I might get transferred with my job. I might do this. I, might do... I understand that. And the next part of the finances um, and turning your home into an investment property, it's not for everybody. And I understand that. The other thing to think about is, I always tell people if you're a renter and you're like, well, my goal is to buy a house once I settle down. I'm 53, let me tell you something. Once I blah, 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 never happens. Once I get a girlfriend, then things are going to be good. Once I get that first job, then I'll be stable and steady. Once I uh, get engaged, then I'll set up my 401k. Once I, it's a different world. Things are moving faster. The economy's different. The sooner that you can start just doing small baby steps on the adulting, and that includes buying a home. If you're looking to buy a home, because your rent that you're paying, you might as well be doing the rent replacement strategy. If you can buy a home, there are multiple different things that you can do with it. If you want to take off, if you want to leave, this is why I didn't buy in LA when I was 21 years old. we all know how that went. And if you don't, you can check out the, oh, that's not my job. That's your job. Yeah. Episode 98. Um, and which was hysterical because at, I moved in in 1991. In 1996, I was like, I gotta go away for four months. I got a job in Atlanta. Now, is that one of the things you're thinking? Like what happens after to go away? Guess what I did? I subletted my apartment, kept my lease. If you've never been evicted, then you're probably a person who understands how to work a lease and you're gonna be able to be a mini landlord if you need to, if you don't feel like selling your house. Okay. JT got me off track, but that was a great point. So here's how you want to talk about the financial part. Next on your list, how do you see this home financially for your family? Write that one down on your list. Here's the things it could be. Do you see it as a stepping stone so that you can use the rent replacement strategy to put your rent payment into this, which now is a mortgage payment, uh, and then not really save anymore, just live your life, And then rely on the equity in five to seven to 10 years, the profit that you make in the home's appreciation to be the down payment for your next home. If so, then number one, you have to make sure you study the market trends and understand and prepare that there are going to be potential decreases in equity someday, Because remember, markets go up and down. And number two, you have to keep in mind that you're probably gonna be able to save more in three, four, five years because as a home buyer, congratulations, your monthly payment is fixed. Okay, next uh, on the list. Are you thinking about renting this first home forever so that you can have a huge cash out by selling it in 30 years? If so, here's a whole big equation that you need to think about. Okay, I always tell people start a savings budget that right after you buy the home. And of course, they look at me like, I am on serious crack or fentanyl or whatever the kids are doing these days. Um, because... They're like, dude, I just put all my money into this. Now you want me to start a savings account so that I can keep this home and buy another home? I'm just gonna chill here for three, four, five years. Now, what happens then? You chill there for three, four, five years and you don't realize that the impossible, what sounds impossible, is actually very possible. Here's some things to think about. Have you factored in that you are young and that you're likely gonna make more money as you progress in life? Uh, so maybe for the first year, you just set it up and you only put $25 a month into this new savings fund so that you have the option to, when you want to move, maybe keep the first home as opposed to having to sell it. Now, think about that. $25 a month, it's not doing nothing right now, but in five or 10 years, you're going to be sitting on that fixed monthly payment, which maybe you've even had a chance to refinance into a lower monthly payment if the right option comes along with mortgages. And you're young, so you're gonna be making more money in five or 10 years. So that gap's getting wider and wider and wider. Think of it this way. Imagine how much money you could save over the next five years, okay? Fine, stay where you are, stay renting, okay? Now imagine for the next five years, you're making 25% more in salary, go up like 5% a year. And imagine your rent payment was fixed, but fixed at your payment five years ago, rewind and think about that. Your money's going up, but your payment stays, and then it stays where your payment was five years ago. That's how much money you would have extra, 25% more in salary plus five years back in rent, what you're gonna be paying to yourself extra money every single month. That could be your savings starting in five years. And think about how much you could save and still be living your best life in five or 10 years. And now suddenly you're sitting there with the big O. (laughs) It always makes me giggle. I'm so 15. Options. The big O. Options. Life is grander for those with more choices options, options, options. That's how you live your best life. Hey, spreadsheet nerds, for you really practical people, do this. Uh, Make a spreadsheet, 20-year budget. Increase your salary by whatever you think it would be. Three years, 3% a year is probably your minimum, but, you know, add in whatever you think your bumps are going to be, or if you know, put them in. Uh, Create that new number, that annual salary as your money in. Uh, Subtract out your regular bills, plus a new mortgage payment. Now that total left over, that's what you get. Now with the addition of that salary, it should go up. Now imagine that you had that much at the bottom saved in five years, plus the equity in your home. Now you have the option to either take that home, use it as a stepping stone, pull the equity out and buy a huge bigger home, or Potentially create a new savings account with that spreadsheet because you're also going to have a fixed monthly payment. And now you can decide, maybe I'll keep the first home and rent it out. Options. So JT, to answer your question, if you think, I'll move into Atlanta for a job, but I'm only going to be here for three years. I tell military people do this all the time. If you're living somewhere and you're going to pay $2,000, $2,500, $3,000 a month in rent, Look into buying a home and then being cool moving in two years. I don't care if the market drops. Most of the time, with most mortgage products, you're going to be able to rent it out for the same price as your mortgage. And now you're turning into that little dude with the monocle On Monopoly and the top hat, and you have all those little green houses. Although I did hear recently he doesn't actually have a monocle. That's one of those, what's that effect called? Mandela effect. The Mandela Bernstein Bears effect. Yeah. Okay. So you want to be the little monocle or no monocle monopoly guy. This is something that you can think about. And you know, most importantly, you ought to be thinking that way anyway. Because who knows what's going to be going on in your life. Maybe you will have to up and leave. But if you've already started understanding how to use the profit and the higher savings because of your youngness and increased salary plus the fixed income, you're going to have the big O options. Okay. That was a long one. But I still want you to be writing these down for the list you're going to make. So here, let's summarize this one for your list. Is this my slash our investment home or a starter home that we totally intend to sell so we can upgrade later? Or is this our forever home? This home should fall into one of those three categories. So write that down and discuss amongst yourselves. Next on your goals one list. Okay, next on the goals one list. Uh, We're going to be digging deeper as we get down here towards the end. How do you or you and your partner or you and your family see this home psychologically? Weird question, right? Think about it. Are you the first one in your family ever buying a home? And if so, this probably feels like a win just to buy the home and you think that you're done. Be sure to not sell yourself short for the long game of life. You know, you thought you could never buy a home, you did it. So buying a home isn't the end of your success, it's the very beginning. Your first home can be the foundation of a whole world of options that you never thought was possible to you. I've said it before, you don't know what you don't know. Next psychological question on your list. What type of home did you grow up in? And have you explored other options? Or are you just trying to recreate your childhood in the same type of home? Now it's totally cool if that's what you wanna do, I get it. Uh, I wanted a house just like my parents' house, Um, um, that's fine. But make sure that you explore all the options because things have changed and there could be something else that might actually be better for whatever you're planning for the rest of your life. And then you want me to get really dark? On the flip side, are you trying to do the opposite type of home, because you had a crappy childhood. I know a lot of people that will do that. They actually won't buy anything like their home, because it reminds them of things that are painful. Here's a thought for you. Keep an open mind, because you know it would be the most therapeutic thing in the world? Buying a home just like the crappy home that you grew up with, except this time, you fill that home with love and positive energy. Okay, next on the list. Uh, and I know you're you're thinking right now that you're like, dude, those last couple questions, my my uh, list, it looks like my therapy journal, all kinds of scratches and doodles and stuff on that. Fine, that's good. It's important. A home is an emotional place. And the more you think about it in the long-term mindset, both for your quality of life, as well as the very pragmatic long-term financial position, the better that you're going to be when you go out and go shopping. Think first, act second. Don't believe and don't buy into the HGTV surface way of thinking. Go deeper. Last one for the list. I could actually go way, way deeper into the financial goals and how to use your home as a building block. Uh, but as I've mentioned a billion times before, um, I don't know all the details of your life. And so I I I can give you some general things, but and I already have, but What you say to me, I'm then going to go, oh, well, then there's this option. There's that option. There's this. The investment property uh, rental I mentioned to you, that's just one thing that you can do with your first home. So here's the last thing I want you to put on your list. Take your realtor and your lender to lunch. The end. Put it on the list. Pick their brains. Look, don't freak out about asking them to lunch. They got to eat. I mean, you know, they got to eat. And trust me, with a realtor and a lender, if you tell them you're going to take them, meaning you're going to pay for it, I know their asses are going to be there. So you will never learn more about your options than in that hour. And don't ask them about your situation. Just ask them, tell me everything you've seen in this business. What have you seen how the first time homebuyers do with their first home? You might have all the goals set in your head, but they've got goals that you never even thought of. One thing that uh, the people in the industry have that you don't have is hindsight. We've got the good and the bad hindsight. We can tell you what to stay away from, and we can give you a whole bunch of options you maybe never even thought of. They're going to drop nuggets of wisdom on you and bring your list because, as I said, they're going to add stuff you never even thought about. Okay. Okay. Now that's goals one and your homework is done. So here's the most important thing to know about your goals. Little PS on your goals for the things you want in the house. Be ready to compromise. You will, you absolutely will cut many things from your list. But as you take the time to write it out, you're actually going to be prioritizing your list. And if you have a partner after your Zoom with your therapist comparing your lists, you're going to create a pecking order together and you're going to know what's at the top and what's on the chopping block. I've said this before a few times on the podcast, but I'll say it here for the uh, 10-step thing. Um, Buying a home is like putting together a jigsaw puzzle. Imagine a jigsaw puzzle on the table, right? Okay. Everybody thinks they're going to get the whole jigsaw puzzle. When they figure everything out, they're going to put all the pieces in and put the last piece in. It's actually the opposite. The picture is done and it's on the table. You're going to go look at houses and each house is going to have several pieces removed. Your job is to find the home that has the least amount of pieces or the amount of pieces gone that you can live with. Make sense? All right. So, I already made the O joke, so now I'll make the C word joke. Compromise. That's the real estate C word. Be ready. The first home dream home days are long gone. So that's why you need crystal clear goals. And then, of course, once you sit down and talk to your unicorn team, uh, your support team is going to give you all these ideas and things are going to change completely. So be ready to adjust. And the final... PPS of goal section one is I really want you to be safe with your budget. I don't want anyone to overextend. And I love when people come to me and say, I know I was approved for this, but we really want to be safe. And uh, because of that, we want to make sure that we don't overextend ourselves. Okay, I'd like you to keep this in the back of your mind. The lending regulations have changed. They changed in the crash. So since 2008, Ninety percent of my first-time home buyers, because they were young and maybe even a little bit afraid, they really go protective when they buy their home, and then they call me in five years and they say, "Damn it, Sidoni, we should have stretched a little bit more." You know, Sidoni. I mean, now we're all into this. The payment's totally easy. We're both young. Uh, we had a baby, but you know, we're still having salary increases, and we could have got more. Now, the reason I gave you the number 90% of the people tell me that, that's because the other 10%, they're the people who actually took what I had to say, listened to me, and weren't scared, and they did the stretch. (laughs) So I know I sound like I'm one of those realtors who's like, no, you got to go bigger, go bigger. I'm not saying go bigger, I'm saying crazy. I want you to be careful, but I'm just giving you the data. Everyone tells you that you should buy less than you're approved for. And if you have a big financial plan with what you're going to do with the extra money and that's why you're doing it, cool. You do you. Awesome. You're smarter than me. Just don't buy Bitcoin. But you got to know this. The reason why everybody comes back to me and says this is because getting a loan is so stringent and so difficult. The lenders are so much more conservative than they ever were. So your mom and dad might tell you about that, but they're talking about the pre-crash people who got loans they should not have gotten. Right now, if you get an approval, you can definitely afford it. Otherwise, they ain't giving you an approval. The approval is actually less than what you can definitely afford as life moves forward, as long as everything's normal and we don't you know, have a typhoon that swallows California. Your approval number is no longer your max number. It's actually your safe number. But what sucks is it just that safe number is the max the bank is going to give you. There, rewind that. That was a good one. I just made that one up, JT. Let's make t-shirts. Your max number is a safe number. But unfortunately, it's the max the bank's going to give you. Oh, God, now you're pissed. I told you to rewind. (sighs) It's a safe number. In fact, it's too safe. And you'll find out when you go out and go get your first loan approval number. You're gonna call me up and go, I only got approved for this. All right, and to wrap it up for goal one. Your list of goals and the things you're doing for your goal one. This list that you've created, it's gonna be like so many of the tips that I've given you so far. Don't think that you should be the only one setting all the financial goals of owning a home for the long run. Not you, not your research, not your rabbit hole, not your Reddit friends. Love you, but really, what do you actually know about the options one can have as a homeowner? First time home buyer, thus the first. You've never done it. Hopefully, your unicorn team and the people that you have representing, you, your advocates have done this thousands of times. Like I said, we have the luxury of the hindsight of being able to tell you, dude, I saw people do this and it was terrible. Or, oh my God, I never even thought about this. And I'm the realtor, but this buyer did. We've got years of stories. Remember episode five, even the really, really intelligent doctors, Dr. Kendall and and, uh, Dr. Richard and John, Uh, I think Dr. John, John's the doctor. Richard was the one who says that they both got him into debt. Even they said that they over-researched for a year or two, and they both realized they should have asked pros for insights, ideas, and their hindsight. So when you write your list and write your goals, leave some space at the bottom of the page, all right? And then take your realtor and your lender to lunch and ask them to share their greatest hindsight stories or similar stories to people like you, and then you can get some new goals for your list. Okay, so that's goals one, uh, where we're getting into the actual process of buying the home. Now we're gonna jump back a little bit and I'm gonna finish up today with goals two. This one's much simpler, it'll be much quicker, okay? Goals two is about planning. The hardest part of setting your goals during your planning is not what to do or how to do it, that's easy made a whole podcast about it. Get listening right now. Talk with your unicorns, get your credit score number, get your debt reduction numbers, get your saving number. Clean and simple, right? That's it. Get those three numbers and then start your planning. Getting those is easy. Here's the hard part, taking the time for that one more step because life is hard. Things get busy. We all get flustered. But Making goals to the mandatory, non-negotiable final step when you get your numbers, crucial. Use those numbers you've gathered, all right? Now, get it to your support team and have them build some goals with you. Yes, I want you to get it to your unicorns. This way, you have the A word. (laughs) I've got a theme today. What's the A word, JT? Assistance. Assistance. Good guess. Advice. Advice. Another good guess. Anything else that you would like to add? Nah, yes, I do have anything I'd like to add. Accountability. Ah. Yes, it's great to get the advice and the guidance and whatever the first thing you said was that was wrong. But I did my kindergarten teacher. Good. But no, um, no. Accountability. You get it to them. So this is simple. Get your three numbers. Credit score number. Credit card or or excuse me, all debt reduction numbers that you need to do, savings numbers, give it to them, get some accountability, and then here's the key. Set some mini celebrations along the way. Now, do I say that because I'm captain positive? Woohoo! No, it's because you're going to need it. Planning for a home can suck sometimes. Buying a home is in the top three most stressful things in your life. So go out for ice cream when you're Credit score goes up 25 points. Go out to a movie night when you paid off one of the credit cards that you're snowballing. Uh, And I love this one. I actually got really excited today. I was writing and I actually came up with some math for you. So here's some fun math that came out of me being a real estate nerd and a positive uh, uh, mental health awareness advocate while I was sitting in my office today what percentage do you want to get your credit card under so that it reports as positive on your credit report? JT? I forgot. 30. 30. Good job. Okay, so if you're trying to get one credit card below 30, even if you're snowballing and you want it to go down to zero, the minute you get it below 30, change that number. Don't do 30, do 25. And then when you hit 25%, go out and celebrate with 3 or 4% and put it on the damn card. Oh. How about that? Make 25% your number. If you've got one card, you want to get it below 30 and that's your goal. That's your end goal with that card. Make that goal 25%, take 3 or 4% and go out and go to Monday night football and buy shots for people. Whatever you want to do. Or <laughs> you know, my family, I I would do that and then I the next night I'd see if we could go see a Broadway show. I'm weird. Get over it. Finally, here's some more math I made up. Your savings goals. You're going to set your savings goals. I'm calling this the Extra Plus System. Still got to work on that name. Uh, if you decide that you need to save $25,000, first of all, know thyself. Are you the kind of person that's going to need a celebration at 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 in the end. Or if you have to do this over a year or two, look inside yourself and say, okay, I know myself. I think I'm going to need a reward every $100 I save. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Maybe you say $2,500 instead of every $5,000. That's fine. Whatever. Remember, you're only doing this with yourself. If the reward means that you're delaying things, this is you. You have to figure out, but I want you to make sure that you can do this the right way for you. Now, here's what you're going to do. If you're going to celebrate at 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, and at the end, 25,000, set the goals like this. You don't get your celebration when you hit 5,000. You get your celebration when you hit 5,050. Now go out and blow 50 bucks. Second goal, 10,100. Now go out. That night, spend a hundred bucks on you, on stuff you wouldn't normally do or you would normally, I don't know, put on that credit card that racked up your debt, okay? The third goal, 15,000, go to 15,200. Now, 200 bucks, big night out. That's when you celebrate. And the fourth goal, I'm gonna keep it at 200. 20,200. We don't go up in increments there because you're getting really close and we want to keep your head in the game. So it's still just 200 bucks. So what that does is it actually is a a little psychological trick on yourself. Yes, it's a reward, but you're also somewhere in your subconscious or your conscious now that I told you going, well, wait a minute. How come it's only 200? It was going up all the time. Good. Then that will give you the motivation and the inspiration to push you forward. All right. And That 200 bucks, if you can't take $200 and go out and feel like you're actually rewarding yourself, if you're spending the money like you found out on the ground, if you're like, I wanted more than 200, I've saved 20,000, Sidoni. If you can't go out and spend 200 bucks and feel like you're having a big night out, good luck buying a home with just $25,000 down as your down payment and feeling like you're gonna get everything that you want. You best be able to have a good time for 200 bucks. Now, for the final reward, if you need to save $25,500, once you save that 20,000 plus the 200, your extra plus, do not celebrate. Do not call the lender and say, I've got all the money. Let's start looking for houses until you get 25,500. And then I want you to go out and have the fanciest meal you can get Because I know this is your big reward. But more importantly, it's probably your last hurrah. Because it's going to be buckle down time. The real stress is about to begin, both financially and emotionally. It's small victories. I'm a firm believer. Celebrate. This is going to suck otherwise. I mean, does it make sense to go out and spend money on ice cream on a night to celebrate your credit score going up 25 points when you're trying to save money? I say yes, it does. Your mental health is important, I wasn't joking. This is clinical, there are studies. I saw a medical study that said, uh, it did the most stressful things in life. Number one was the death of a loved one, number two was divorce, and number three, purchasing property, buying a home, it actually said. So this is also a mental balancing act. Celebrating small victories will keep your mental health in a good spot. Now, how do we do that? Well, we start with step one, decide. That's the first mental hurdle. And if you're sitting there going, well, this is all great. I can do this, but I'm really not sure I want to buy. Okay, number one, go back to episode number one, uh, 201 and Make sure you decide and then listen to episode 36, 40, 51, 57, 72, 75, 86, 151, 158, and 200 and all the new current market update episodes that are going to be coming out. And you're going to find out the best time to buy a home was yesterday, which means if you are trying to figure out how to buy a home today and you can't, what do you need? Goals, 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 Both- I was going to say an influx of like $20,000. Sure. You you need goals or a rich uncle to drop by and give you an envelope full of cash. I think goals sound a little more attainable. Exactly. And we've got goals, both one and two. And when you're doing that, thinking of your mental health, you're going to need some motivation along the way. Reward yourself. I know it sounds silly, but use my new math I made up. Reward yourself for your planning of your journey. Living your best life means living in the moment with a positive spirit. That's tough to do if you're freaking out and depriving yourself. Don't be bummed that you aren't there. Be excited about how close you're getting. Be excited that you're planning and not sitting on the lake, go life with a rudderless boat. And hey, if you need some short attention span, bursts of motivation, Inspiration. Check out my Insta or my TikTok, even my YouTube Shorts has tons of little fifteen to sixty second bits. You can jump on my feed and scroll for hours. <laughs> you will learn something, but you'll also get pumped up and motivated. I've been doing this a long time. There's a lot of my videos out there. Do me a favor. Be sure to uh, subscribe to me on all the socials, and of course, this podcast. Duh. Uh, if you're ready for a unicorn team, Unicorn Nation is killing it this year. This has been a terrible year for real estate and the Unicorn Nation is growing and we're helping more buyers than we did last year, even though in the rest of the country, like it's down by 30%. That's because people are finding the revolution. Where? Howtobuyahome.com. Go to howtobuyahome.com, ask a question. With your goals, they are practical, they are pragmatic, they are also aesthetic- Emotional and psychological. Know that as humans, when we reach for an achievement that takes planning, your desire to want it is not what gets you there. I see too many people that rely on, I really want it. I desire it. Do you, I, you know, I heard this once and I may have even said it on the podcast. Every pro athlete starts the year wanting to win the championship. Everyone. You don't go to training camp and someone go, well, our goal this year is, you know, we just want to come in seventh. No, everybody wants it. They all have the same desire, but the desire doesn't do anything. Those who have the discipline, the structure, and the work ethic, they're the ones that get the ring. And the best way to stay structured is to have goals. And the best way for you to be able to keep those goals is to give yourself these little mini celebrations and rewards, keeping your motivation rejuvenated on your journey. Goals and rewards shape the structure. They give you the roadmap and you're going to need that little motivational help because I guarantee you life is going to suck a few times during your planning phase because it just does. Why do you think I end every podcast episode this way? You can do this.